0: I would like to start off this series of Church in the Wild by telling you guys a story. There's this, this guy that had got, he, he got a job at the zoo, and it was kind of a weird job. It was a very peculiar job. It was only going to last a week because what happened at the zoo, the zoo's gorilla had died, and they still wanted to have people come to the zoo, and like they ordered a new gorilla on Amazon, but it wasn't Prime, so, you know, it takes a while, right? You guys know that the issue. And, and so it's going to take a week. So they decided what, what we're going to do is we're going to hire someone. They hire this guy and they, they tell him that the job is to just dress up in this real, like this, this really great looking gorilla suit that looks real and just sleep in the corner and eat bananas. And the guy's like, I was made for this job. So excited to do it. So, so he goes and the first day was wonderful. He, he just basically sleeps in the corner and eats bananas. He caught up on all of his sleep. He felt great, went home refreshed. The next day he comes back out and, and the problem though is he's no longer tired. He's kind of energized and he's just wasting time there. And so, so time's going so slow and so he starts walking around just to, to pass the time by. And as he's walking around, people would come to the exhibit and they'd start taking pictures because he was active and he liked the attention. So he started walking, he started grunting and they would clap and he, he decided he's gonna climb a tree. And as he climbs the tree, more and more people are coming. The higher he climbed, the the more peanuts people would throw out. And he realized that that the bigger I do, the more that I get from these people. So he sees this rope and he starts swinging on the rope. And the crowd gets really big and people are cheering. They're clapping. And the higher he gets, the, the more they clap, the more peanuts they throw until he gets to about the highest point that the rope can take him. And the rope snaps. And he comes flying out of his exhibit into the next exhibit, which was the lion exhibit. And he gets up and he looks and 30 feet away, there's a lion right there. And he starts jumping out and yelling to the people, help, help, I'm really a man in a gorilla costume. Right as the lion pounces on him, holds him down by his shoulders and yells out, shut up, you're gonna get us both fired. (laughs) I love that story. And the funny part about that story is there's parts of it that are believable because we've all been to the zoo and we've seen the animals in the zoo. It isn't exactly what you think that they're going to be like in person. So often you're like, I can kind of see it sleeping over there in the corner. I remember when I was going to the zoo, one of the first times and um, my, mo- my mom's like, all right, we're going to go to the zoo. And um, I was like, okay, what are we going to see? And she's like, bears. And I'm like, bears? There's bears at the zoo as this little kid, like like vicious, muscular, like human eating bears. And she's like, yeah, Neil. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like, there's lions too. I'm like, holy guacamole mom. You think we're gonna see them eating anyone? So excited, this little boy, you know, and, and I got this idea of what these animals are gonna be like. And, and, and so I'm excited about it. I can't wait to go. And finally the day comes where we're, we're walking up to them. I'm not even afraid about what's gonna happen because they're ferocious. I knew that even though I can't, if something bad happened, I, I couldn't outrun my mom, but I could outrun my great aunt Betty. So I was gonna be safe just in case, right? These things got out. But when we get up to the bear exhibit, what do you guys think I saw? Yeah, like the Berenstein bear, right? The most docile, domesticated thing, sleeping over in there in the corner, awaiting his one o'clock Manny Petty. That's the kind of bear they had at the zoo. And I was so bummed, I was so disappointed because that's not what I hadn't had thought. You know, do you guys know that the bear is the greatest predator in North America? It's the bear. That's what I thought I was going to see. Do you guys know that, that the bear has a, he's so great. He's got one of the, the strongest chomping forces, whatever that's called, in all of the animal kingdom. The, what's, what would that be called? Bite force. He's got the strongest jaw. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, 1,200 PSI. Just to put that in perspective A human's jaw strength is 167 PSI. 1,200 PSI would break a bowling ball. That's how powerful it is. It stands, you guys, the bear is ferocious. 1,500 pounds, some of these polar bears. The biggest bear ever caught was 11 feet tall. That's nearly two of me. That's a little more than three of Dave, okay? It's, It's big and ferocious and scary. A bear runs 40 miles an hour. You don't get to outrun a bear. It's not an option for us. They say they say what to happen what you do when you run into a bear. How do you survive a bear attack? They say if it's a black bear, we have three basic three bears in North America, black bear, for the most part don't bother it. It won't bother you, right? Don't poke the bear. It will poke you back. Just leave it alone. A grizzly bear, they say you walk back really slow. If it charges you, I'm not kidding. This is what they say. They say Curl up in the fetal position on the ground, suck your thumb, because apparently bears don't eat wussies. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that. It sounds like the bears, right? It says if you run into a polar bear, it says uh, pray to God and tell him you're gonna see him momentarily because you're gonna die. <laughs> That's how ferocious bears are in the wild. They're the predominant force in the wild. But when bear, when you take a bear and you put it in captivity, it becomes tame, docile, and kind of disappointing. When you take a bear out of the wild, you take the wild out of the bear. When placed in the bear uh, in the zoo, it it loses its its purpose. It, it doesn't necessarily matter what was made for it. Matters how it's living, and the bear was not meant to be domesticated. And likewise, the church is the same way. You know, the church has this wild, raw power about it, but when we take the church out of the wild, we take that wild, raw power out of the church. The church was never meant to be domesticated, was it? It's not meant to be tamed. It's not meant to be docile. It's meant to live in the wild. Think about the wild, raw power of the early church. Let's just take the early church, for for example. It started with a group of people in a room praying, and then it exploded. And the most powerful nation in the entire world at that time, the Romans, tried to kill it, but they couldn't, could they? And then the greatest religious threat, the Jews, tried to kill it, but they couldn't. And Satan threw everything he had at the church. But how many of you guys know the church prevailed? It didn't just prevail, it flourished. It, it grew like wildfire. It spread everywhere until the very nation that was trying to kill it had to turn itself over to it. Rome fell to Christianity, you guys know that. Because that is the power that God has placed inside the church, because the church, when it's living in its purpose, is unstoppable, amen? amen? The church was made for greatness, but in many ways, over the years, the church has become domesticated. It's lost part of its purpose and therefore part of its power. When, you take, when we took the church out of the wild, we took the wild out of the church. Think about it today. Many churches care more about their donuts and their coffee and the user experience than they do about the, the the community around them, about those that are that are that need the Lord, that are searching for the Lord. Lots of Christians they treat churches this way. They go to church on Sunday so that they could check their churchy box, and then they go out into the real world and their real jobs Monday through Saturday. You know what the church was made for? Let me explain to you what the church does. The church is so that you can come here on Sunday or whatever days that you come here and you can get filled with the power of God and you can get filled with the presence of God and you can get filled with teaching and discipleship so that when you go out into the world, you can make a difference out there. That's what we do. That's why we're here. We're here to fill up so we can go pour out. Yeah, yeah. You know, this whole series that we're talking about. Well, let me say this. Many people do this. And you may find yourself in this thing where you, where you kind of, a lot of the church across America, that we look out, the people look out, and they take this spiritual evaluation of how the world is. And many people have decided that it's so caustic out there that it's easier for us to just hide our light under a bushel. That is not what God had in plan for the church, not for us to be tamed, but for us to be unleashed. You know that. Not for us to be domesticated, but for us to go out into the wild. That's exactly what we're doing for this series. This series is it's exactly that. It is sending us or releasing us into the wild. Now, let me say this. When I talk about the church, what am I talking about? This is important we decide this from the very beginning. When I talk about the church, what I'm not talking about is the four walls of this building. Is that what Jesus talked about when he established the church? No, he called it, if you remember, two weeks ago, Mike talked about it. He called it the ecclesia, and the ecclesia means the sent out ones or sent out assembly. So really what the church is, it's you and me. The church is people, Correct. So every time we talk about church in the wild, we're talking about you in the wild, me in the wild. Every t- what we're going to look at that Jesus says about the church, it's what He says about you, about Christianity, and Christians that want to further the kingdom of God. So let's let's go ahead and look. If we want to know how what God's plan is for us, we have to look at what His plan is for the church. Ephesians one. We're going to read a couple scriptures. Uh, Twenty. Ephesians 1, and 23. We're gonna read something that God says about the church. He says this, and he, meaning God, put all things in subjection under his, Jesus's feet and made Jesus head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The first thing we need to understand is the church is Jesus's. God has placed him as head over the church. In fact, all throughout the Bible, you read that, that the church is the body of Christ and his bride. Is that true? Yeah, all throughout, right? That the church is his. his. And again, in Ephesians 5, verses 23 and 24, he goes further. I'm sorry. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church. Say head of the church. We find out that Jesus is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. Say savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, say subject to Christ. So also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. We find out that he's the head of the church, the savior of body, and that the church is subject to him. So there's no way of understanding our role in God's kingdom outside of understanding what what Jesus says, outside of understanding his purpose, not our purpose. If it was our purpose, we'd all just hang out in here, wouldn't we? Because this is easy and this is comfortable and this, we don't have to take any risks because this feels good. There's people that are just like you here that think the same way that you do that that doesn't take any courageousness or or bravery to worship God in here, does it? Because everybody else is doing. In fact, we're, we're, we're drawn to it. So what does Jesus say? What does he talk about? What can we learn from his words about how you and I are supposed to act as bodies a body of believers? Let's look at Matthew 4.19. Now, Matthew 4.19, it's when um, Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew. And remember real quick what he said about Peter. He says, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I built the church. You guys remember that? So Peter is a central, central figure in there. How does he call Peter? He says this, Matthew four nineteen. He says, and he, Jesus, said to them, follow me. Say, follow me. Follow me. That's important. We're gonna have to understand what it means. He says, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And and I even like it more. The NIV says, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Does that sound like that Jesus is trying to create something that looks in or looks out? John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. Follow me and where I go and what I do and where I am, you will also be. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. And, and one last one I wanna look at because I really like this one. This is the rich young ruler and he's talking to Jesus. Mark 10, 21 through 22, he says this. Looking at him, the rich young ruler, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. He says this throughout the Bible all over the place. But... That rich young ruler was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. When Jesus says, follow me, you have to understand what it means. The rich young ruler understood what he meant when he said, follow me. He did not mean, come on, follow me, we're gonna build a building, and we're all gonna get comfortable together because that's what this rich young ruler would have liked because he had lots of property and stuff and possessions. But when Jesus said, follow me, what he meant was this, come on, let's go, follow me. Do you understand the difference? He was trying to release these people, Peter and Andrew, this rich young ruler, to go out and be his lights in the wild. That's what he says. Following Jesus always means looking out towards the harvest of people. It always means taking risks and living in the unknown. But when you take those risks and you live in the unknown, you get to see God's power work through you in people that are out out those doors. Where are out those doors? That's our workplaces. That's our gyms. That's our neighborhoods. That's our mechanic shops. That's our whatever, our, our gas stations, our grocery clerks that we see on a regular basis. That is the wild that Jesus says, follow me too. But over the last 2,000 years, the church has moved from this assembly of people that have been sent out to a bunch of different groups of people who just want to stay in. You guys understand that? From people that are sent out into the wild, to people that have become tamed, domesticated, who, you know, the enemy's job, I say this all the time, it's not to get, look, like, the enemy's never gonna get me to deny Christ. Most of us know the truth. We're never gonna deny Christ. You wanna know what he wants to do? He just wants to make you tamed. He wants to make you docile. He wants to take the wild out of you. He wants to, he wants to strip you of your vigor and just let you have enough faith for you and your family, and that's it. He wants to tame the church. We gotta go where Jesus went, do what he did. You know, a lot of the church, if you, if you take a survey of it, the church is less, go follow him and more, come and see. You understand that? Come and see. Oh man, we, we go to church and that's where things happen. You know, come and see, come and see our church. We've got coffee, we've got donuts, we got Jesus, we got things going on, come and see. That's good. It's good to come and see, but how many of you guys know we need people going out there to get others to come and see, is that true? Yeah. And And here's the cra- crazy thing, and Mike's probably gonna teach on this this uh, uh, next week, I think, so do you guys know where the greatest army is? What's the greatest army in the, in, in the world? It's not the China million man army, it's the standing church of Christians everywhere. When are we going to stop being tamed? Maybe for you today, this is your day, that you don't wanna be tamed any longer, domesticated. You don't wanna be like that bear inside the zoo. You wanna be like that bear out in Alaska that's eating moose or something crazy. You can be that Christian that, that does things for the Lord in his workplace. I'm trying to find out where I am. Matthew 8, 19. Then a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Oh, that's that's where we need to be. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, this is interesting. The foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nets, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head because the son of man, Jesus, did not get comfortable and did not just look for the easy thing to do. Jesus went all over Galilee and Judea and Damascus and everywhere he went, he was being the very light that God had placed inside of him. He had nowhere to lay his head because he was always focused outside of himself. We have to make sure that we haven't become so comfortable inside of church we've forgotten about the rest of the world. We need to be those people that come in on Sunday. Listen, let me tell you, church is a wonderful thing. Church is a needed thing, this is is God's decision. This is his commandment. But it's here that we get discipled and trained it's here that, that, that we can get counseling for our own lives, but it's also here that we are sent out from, amen? It's here that you come in on Sunday and you get empowered by the presence. You come up and you get prayer for things going on or for certain people so that you can go and bring the light of Jesus Christ to those people. We're gonna look the other side of church is this is all wonderful and good raising the kids bring them in this is all good but it's not the fullness of what the church is for Matthew 28 is the last book of the gospel of Matthew it's the last thing that Jesus says before he ascends up into heaven this is his his final thing he says this before he ascends up and how many of you guys know that the last thing that you say is usually the most important is that true I, like when I'm leaving my house and my kids are there, the last thing I say is what I really wanna make sure that they're gonna listen to. I've, I've said, sub, you know, we're gonna, get, we're gonna leave. You guys can't watch any TV, no video games, this whole thing. But then the last thing I say is gonna be the most important. This is the last thing that, that Jesus says. He says, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, he says, go. I mean, we could stop this whole scripture right here go. What, what he didn't say is get comfortable. What he didn't say is have ease. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I command you. And behold, I am always with you even to the end of the age. What he was saying is go into the wild, tell them, be my light to them. That is what he calls not to be domesticated, not to be docile, not to get comfortable. The church inside the four walls of this building, it's like decaf coffee. It's warm, it's nice, it's comfortable, but there's no future in it. (laughs) You guys know the future is out there, isn't it? We've got to get out there and find every, it's human nature to want to live in comfort. It's human nature to want to do what's easy. It's human nature to want to be where other people just like you are. It's human nature to want to be where you don't have to take much risks, where you like it. Think about peter when at, at the mount of transfiguration he wants to build a tent and just live where where jesus elijah and moses are he forgets everything else that he's calling for and he just wants to live in the comfort of these guys think about all the disciples and people as they watch jesus ascend up into heaven it says that they just sat there and were staring up into the sky days like just just being with each other not knowing what to do like what am i They didn't want to take any risk. And then an angel comes down and says, you boneheads, go do what he told you to do. And they leave. (laughs) Think about it. What do you get from this church right now? You get all kinds of good things. Apart from all the teaching, apart from all of the discipleship, the counseling, the help, there are people that are just like you. People, it's, it's our nature to want to stay comfortable. There are Christians here that make us feel comfortable. Being at church is comforting. There's people that agree with you. It, it doesn't take much courage to show your faith here. There's people that are nice like you. There's people that are kind like you. There's people that believe the same things that you believe. There's people that probably voted similar to you. They're, they're not gonna get on your case where at work it feels way different, doesn't it? There's a bunch of people here that are willing to help you. But if we stay in that place, we have become the domesticated church. And it's time to get out into the wild. I want to tell you a story about my friend, Phil Ortiz. Phil Ortiz, he goes to this church. He's a home group pastor here. His, um, he's also the, one of the city councilmen for El Cajon, the city of El Cajon. And he, his job is he's got to connect with people. His job, he's got to garner up support because he's in a, a voted position and he has ambitions to go further. And Mike Van Meter comes up to him and Mike asks him to be a part of this podcast that Mike started. Mike and started with, with three other guys and, and he wanted Phil to do it. It's called the Unyielding Podcast. And the basic idea of this podcast is they're just taking the, the issues of today and looking at them through the eyes of scripture Fully unapologetically. Isn't that cool? Yeah, great thing. And he wanted me to make sure that I tell you guys, you guys can get it everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay. Um, But see, that screwed me up. Now I don't know where I was going. Oh, Phil. So Phil gets asked to be a part of this podcast. Now that's a problem, especially for Phil, because how many of you guys know that the things that they're gonna talk about, the current issues of the day through the eyes of scripture are Absolutely not PC approved, are they? The scripture is not PC approved. And so he's gonna start talking about these scriptures. Now, what's that mean for his career? It means that he's probably gonna start taking some heat, isn't it, if he decides to do this? He's probably gonna lose some following if he does this. He told his wife, I don't know, if I do this, it might be the end of my career as a politician. His, the weight of what he needed of this decision was heavy. So he didn't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't tell that story if he didn't. (laughs) So, So he had to decide, what was I made to do? Was I made to be quiet or was I made to stand up? What am I called to do? Am I called to live out my Christianity in the wild or hide it under a bushel? So he decided, Lord, whatever the costs are, I'm willing to take them for you. And he started this podcast, amen? That's your city council member right there. Isn't that cool? Elko? Look, I'll tell you another guy. Another guy. I was just talking to him after service, uh, Frank Baptista. Now, Frank Baptista's a hoot, okay? Frank Baptista, um, he surfs, and every Friday, a a big group of this church goes out and they surf at the same place. And Frank, um, he lost his leg from from the knee down, but he still stand-up paddle boards, and he doesn't stand up paddle bar on this huge board. He's like this, I, I don't understand how he does it. It's just, he can move it around. But I went out one time with Frank. And when you surf, you guys, this is just so you know, you don't really talk to anybody. It's not like a social, unless you go to tourmaline. Other than there, it's not a social sport, okay? It's, it's you just sit there and you're looking for the waves and you're trying in your mind to figure out how you're gonna aggressively paddle around someone to get these waves. It's horrible, it's very selfish. Anyway, <laughs> Frank is just paddling around the lineup. And he's singing worship songs. I love this dude. And all of these surfers are like, what is up with this? You know, he's got one leg. So everybody's intrigued, like, can he catch the waves? But he's like, you know, like, Jesus loves us. You know, just like like being obnoxious about the kingdom. He didn't let any fear take him in. Like, being Christians at our jobs that are in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, can be very intimidating, can't it? But that's what we were called for. That's what we were made for. You fill up here so that you could go pour out out there. If all we're doing is filling out and pouring out on each other, then we've become domesticated. But the second that we decide, dude, my kids' soccer team, Lord, unleash me there. Oh man, my neighborhood. Every time I go into a neighborhood, I pray, Lord, unleash me in this neighborhood because they can't get away from me. They don't have a choice. I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Where is God calling you to be unleashed? Because I don't know where it is, but I know he's not calling you to be tamed. Jesus loves his church. He calls it his bride. He puts a tremendous amount of effort into it. He has equipped it with everything that it needs and it is you. And he even brought it about. When he started his church, he had brought it about, the Bible says, at the fullness of time. Listen to Galatians 4.4. 4. We're gonna learn something about, about, about the church. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, but when the fullness of time came, that means when it was at the perfect opportunity, the, the point in time that was ripe for Jesus to come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Why did Jesus come? Well, mainly he came for two reasons. One, to set up his kingdom. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand so many times in the Bible. And we are part of that kingdom of God. We are the church that pushes the kingdom of God around. And he came to die for our sins. So why was it the perfect time? Why was it the fullness of times? Because when we look at why it was the fullness of time, we're going to get a leading of what he has called us to do as a church. This was a time when Roman, he, he came, Jesus was born when, when the Romans had basically defeated most of the world. We know the saying, uh, the sun never sets on Rome. Is that right? Sun never sets on Rome? Yeah, this is the British Empire. They didn't go all the way around the world in Rome. What am I talking about? Okay. Luckily, I didn't say that in any other services. So you got Rome. They, they did it over the entire, uh, the, the entire known world. And what happened at this time is what Rome gave to the world. You guys have heard of Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. Ro- the Romans were able to establish like rule and order and this, this stability over the world to make travel possible. They built roads and and these roads touched all the cities together. Not only did they build the roads, but they policed the roads from robbers and thieves and people that wanted to do bad things. And all of a sudden, travel became possible and safe and common. The currency was all the same currency. When you traveled around back then, you'd have to take a lot of things with you because you had to trade along the way. But the Romans set up a form of currency. So for the first time, you could travel light because you could purchase what you needed in different in different areas. And, and even though the Romans were politically and militarily superior, the Greeks had changed the culture so, so much that there was one spoken language that everybody used called Koine Greek, common Greek. And so you could travel at this point in time for the first time ever. Travel was possible, easy, and common. And that's when God said this is the fullness of time because he wanted his church to go out. You guys understand that? He wanted his church to do more than just sit in together. Think about this though. Jesus was, God was planning this church for so long because not only did the Romans make everything so easy to do and easy to go out, 720, 7, 721 BC, 750 years earlier, the Northern Kingdom, if you guys remember, the kingdom split to the Northern and Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom was conquered by Assyria and this is what Assyria did. Assyria would take all the people that they conquered, they'd spread them throughout the empire so that it would just be a melting pot of different cultures, different races, different um, ideas of how things should be so they wouldn't unify together and revolt against Assyria. So that's what they did. This was known as the great diaspora of the, of the Jews. They just set all over the place. Well, God used that to set up his church because at the fullness of times when Jesus came on the scene, nearly in every country, in every area, there were these pockets of Jewish communities that were trying as hard as they could to obey and live by the law and were just listening for anything coming out of Jerusalem. So when he starts the church and Jesus says, go out and make disciples of the nation, Everywhere they go, there are these Jewish communities that are dying to hear what's going on in Jerusalem, coming out of Jerusalem, and they get to go out and say, hey, guess what? The Messiah came, and he is here to forgive you for your sins. Because he prepared it, yeah. He prepared it from, listen, I will tell you this, never not one time, let's get the band out here, never not one time did Jesus' plan for the church be, uh, for it to be tamed or domesticated. It has always been to send us out into the wild. And that's what we want to do. I'm going to ask you guys to do something. I want you guys, if you guys have been uh, uh, reading along with your notes, or you could pull out your phone and and open up the church app. The very bottom, after all of my notes, we're going to do something right now. There's an area where we're going to start this journey of getting into the wild. The first part of the journey to get out into the wild is to pray for God to help you get out in the wild. In this part, what we're gonna do, I'm gonna pray over us, so don't write anything down. If you don't have your church app on your bulletin, there's a a space on the church in the wild card for you to write, I don't know, one to five names of people who you're going to be committed to pray for for these next three weeks. People that you have some connection with. It could be a neighbor or or coworker or whoever. Someone that needs the power of God inside of their life. Someone who needs to come to the saving grace. First service, I gotta pray for someone to come to the Lord. Someone who needs the freedom of God's power in their life. And you're, we're gonna ask you, not all of you have to do this, but I, we, we hope you do, that you would pray for those two, three, four, five people during these next three weeks. You're gonna be praying, a couple things. Number one, that God would start knocking on the door of their heart and calling them to himself. That he would go visit them. That he would move over them. That he would get them ready. And number two, that God would give you some type of divine opportunity to be influential in their life. Is that an easy, that's an easy way to start getting out into the wild, isn't it? Here's the deal. If you do it on the app, then it's gonna automatically save and we're gonna be praying for those people with you. Okay, you just put their names on, that's it. we're gonna be praying for those people. If you have the card, you don't have the app, you're just writing them on the card, that's fine, that's great. Fits in your Bible, it's really easy. But we'd ask you to just do something. If you want the church staff to pray with you over those names, take a picture of it and then email it to pray at foothillschurch.org. It's not prayer, it's actually pray. Pray at foothillschurch.org. Now here's what we're gonna do. I want you guys to all close your eyes. We're gonna ask the Lord to give us names of people that he is gonna call us to be a light to over the next three weeks. Let's just bow our heads real quick. Father, Lord, I pray that you would come into this room right now. Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, we wanna be your standing army. We're asking you to release us into the wild. We wanna be taken into the wild by you and you've already placed us in in all these different areas. Right now, we ask that you would put on our minds some people that you want us to pray for, to intercede on behalf, to ask for your spirit to move over them, to to get them ready to water the seeds that are already inside. That you would draw them to yourself. And we want to commit as we pray that we are going to be lights to those people. And we want to ask, Lord, that you would help us have opportunity for those people. But right now we pray, Lord, just give us the names of the people that you are calling us to speak to. Just take a second, see if he gives you some names. And as he does, just right now, I want you to write those names down or add them into your phone. And just commit. The next three weeks, I'm going to pray for the salvation of these three people, and I'm going to pray that God gives me an opportunity to be influential in their lives. All right. Well, if you're done doing that, I want to invite you to go ahead and stand up.